0: Stay. Good morning everyone. Hey, good to see everybody again. Let's stand and worship the Lord. We're going to open with prayer. I think Father, we just thank you that um we can come into your presence once again and to bless your name as we uh finish our series this week of the Positively New Normal. Uh God, we just uh pray that you will speak to us words of 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 just uh, fullness and and abundance. And so that we give you all the glory and honor. And so, Father, um just help us just uh, be in your presence, and uh, if anything's weighing us down, uh, may you just take that weight off of us, and we just enjoy your presence. In Christ's name we pray, amen.
1: Who am I that the highest king would welcome? So
0: know this song, and um, gosh, that's weird. Um, Isn't it awesome to know that regardless of what happens in life, we have a blessed assurance, Um, and his name is Jesus. So let's just sing this song.
1: Blessed ashore, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory, divine air of salvation. submission all is out
0: thank you so much. With everything in the world, that just seems to be just off kilter that we have a blessed assurance that though the mountains would crumble and fall into the sea, though the, the moon turned to blood and that everything fall apart, that we recognize that Jesus is mine. And so God, during this time, That we continue in our worship, we just want to lift up to you this whole entire service with the words of my mouth, the songs that we meditate on, um, the prayers that we lift up, the announcements and the ministries that we serve that, God, you will be on all those. And for that and all things, we will give you all the praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name, everybody says amen.
1: Is broken too. There's only one thing you wanna do open your mouth and let it spew. But I am telling you, stay positive. When you're baking a cake for your family, and your kids are hopped up on caffeine. Your fluffy cake is now kinda lean. Remember, don't be mean, stay positive. bank account is close to red. You want to cry yourself to bed. It could be worse. You could be dead. Remember what I said. Stay positive.
0: All right, want to start right now with some of our prayer requests at this moment. So, um, we have several of them today. Um, one is from Phyllis Davis. Um, she said uh, Eleanor Hardin has been on her prayer list for several months and she passed away. So we want to lift her family in your prayers. Um, Regan Sarah Mullen have asked for prayers for Janet Flower who was admitted to Kent General Hospital on, on, in Dover on Thursday with acute diverticulitis. Um, They were considering surgery. They're going to work right now with diet and other things. She is age 83. And, of course, the concerns of COVID and other infections um, by being um, in and around hospitals. Because hospitals are for what? Sick people. So we recognize that that's one of the things that happens. So they're really trying to help with her. We ask for prayers there. Um, Lisa Osborne asked for prayers for two of her friend's sons that just received deployment for service. Colin Smith and Jack Sharp. Pray for their um, safety and their families. Stephanie Waddell um, is asking for prayers for her mother-in-law, Trixie. Trixie fell and has a slight fracture in her clavicle, but it's closer to the neck um, than the shoulder. So she has a sling on right now, and we'll see an orthopedic doctor. Bill Wiggum asked for prayers for Donna Wiggum for up-and-coming tests in preparation for surgery. Um, and Carol Henson asked for prayers for Jody Clifton. Um, who had back surgery to relieve compression, and during the surgery they lost the, um, cord signal, and, um, as of the last time we heard, um, she has lost movement of her right hand and leg. Um, Trudy Bennett will have a stint put in this week, and, um, right before church, I just got a call, um, somebody I've known for a long time, um, who has been my, um, my brother-in-law John's, um, good friend, Jason Rush, um. Uh, tragically passed away last night, and he's in his 30s. So um, we want to continue to lift him and everybody else in your prayers. If anybody's been to Ford Funeral Home, he worked for them, so you may have seen him. Um, so uh, continue to lift that whole family in your prayers and also his friends as well. Okay, so those are uh, the prayer requests that I have here. I ask that if you um, have others to add, um, online church or right here, go ahead. You can type them out, put them up there. I know many people will add those as we're on Facebook Live. They'll, they'll add them right away and people begin to pray. And if you're here, yes, you can do the old method um, called pen and paper. Remember that thing that you used to have? Okay, so we have that as well. So please go ahead and let that. I do want to add one more. Um, several months ago, uh, Danny McCoy passed away. Um, they did have. We had a celebration of his life yesterday. Just be with his parents, his children, his family, and all his friends. Because um, it just doesn't seem real. Because um, he was. Uh, I know anybody who knew him knew he was just the epitome of athleticism and strength for so many years. And um, but but cancer doesn't care who you are. As we know that for very sure. Okay, so let's go to the Lord in prayer at this moment. Um, Heavenly Father, um, again we come to you today in. Um, in need, and in prayer, and we're going to begin uh, this prayer, God, by lifting up two verses from our Unite 714 prayer, where it says, and he told them a parable to the effect that they ought to always pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected men, and there was a widow in the city that kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary for a while he fused, but afterward he refused, and afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet this widow keeps bothering me. I will give her justice, so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect, who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes... Will he find faith on earth? And in Hebrews chapter 6, so that so that you may know not to be sluggish, be imitators of those through faith and patience, inherit the promises of God. God, we want to lift up all these people on our prayer list. Eleanor Hardin's family, Sarah Flower, um, Colin Smith, Jack Sharp, and all others deployed, Trixie Waddell, Donna Wiggum, um, Jody Clifton, um, Trudy Bennett, and Jason Rush's family. God, we want to lift them up in your prayers and ask that you uh, move mightily in the needs that they have and where their hearts are, many, in many cases, are breaking and they're lost. And so, Lord, for the, we also recognize for the last few months, we've been coming to you with one voice from 179 nations around the world. We thank you for your mitigation of COVID-19. Without your divine aid, things could have been and could be far, far worse. Yet many of us find ourselves in nations still in the clutches of this pandemic, and ours is one of them. Our economies have not fully recovered. Our lands are deep in a deep need of spiritual and social healing. Despite these realities, we refuse to lose heart. You promise to give justice to your people as we cry out day and night. Lord, with one voice, we ask that you eradicate COVID-19 and bring healing to our nations. Heavenly Father, you are not an unjust judge. Even when the answers to your prayer are seemingly delayed, there is a higher purpose at work. As we continue to cry out before your throne, fill us with your fresh power, your hope, and your love. May we have faith to fully cooperate with you and when your Holy Spirit pours its presence and his presence out on the earth. Heavenly Father, send a fresh move of your spirit that will lead to the salvation of millions of people around the world. Lord, there are times when faith alone does not help us to see our prayers answered. It takes faith and patience to receive your promise, breakthrough. Therefore, God, we as your people refuse to quit. We will continue to ask that you build in us a faith that does not wither in the heart of crisis or break under the weight of impossibility. And so, Lord, you would find faith in our hearts as you awaken your church and save the lost, through a fresh outpouring of your Holy Spirit. And God, we want to give you all the glory, the honor, the praise for you alone, our God, and we love you and we ask you to, to hear our prayer and to heal our land. In your name we pray. Everybody says amen. Amen. Okay, a couple of announcements that we're going to have uh, today. Not a ton of them, but I want you to go ahead and check also with the text updates that we have. Um, again, I prayed today from the COVID 19 prayer that is, uh, um, okay, 19. COVID, yeah, COVID 19, but Unite 714 prayer due to, um, to COVID 19. That is available on our website or unite714.com, I believe, it might be org. Just put it in, you'll find it. And again, we're asking that you pray um, 7.14 in the morning and 7.14 in the evening uh, with Christians in 179 nations around the world. Um, also, um, a couple of other things are Stephen Ministry. Um, is if, Asking if you are grieving a loss of someone. They are going to be holding a Zoom seminar um, on... Well, I just... You guys don't even be phased, like, what's a Zoom seminar? That's where we are now. Um, On July 20th at 6.30 p.m., and basically, um, with the loss of people, lives have been changed forever, and those daily emotions uh, and challenges seem often too hard to bear. So how do you work through the grief during a pandemic? And Grief Share is going to um, discuss some of that. We've had several people who've been involved with Grief Share and it's been beneficial. They've been very appreciative of that. So we'd love for you to go ahead and to connect in. Also, the parish Foundation will be on 7-19, which is next week, um, which is hard to believe. And then our blankets for the homeless. We are still collecting those. My thanks to those of you who um, are bringing them. We had targeted 40. We need 23 more. And um, the... We're going to be collecting through the 28th of this month. Um, I'm told that twin blankets can be purchased at Walmart for uh, 5 dollars There you go. Um, so thank you for your assistance in that project. And again, if you need the links and other things, please check out havencc.org, and they will take you right to where the Grief Share um, connection is and all other information is there. All right? Can you believe it? Here we are, approaching the middle of July 2020. Do you remember when we had New Year's and you said this is going to be the best year ever? How you feeling about that now? Anybody feeling solid about that one? That, woo, yay, I'm glad it's 2020. Um, 2020 has uh, been... Um, odd if I am going to say a word that doesn't begin to touch anything, um, but during 2020 I think we've come to a point where, um, just looking uh, at this as we wind up our series today, that we, it is a time that is filled with too much fear and not enough peace, it's a time that's filled with too much hate, not enough love, for many it's a time with too many bills and not enough jobs or finances. Others have too many needs and not enough supply. And many are dealing with not enough, too much loss and not enough filling it as well. And so for many of us, our theme is 2020, the year of not enough. And a lot of us are living like that and feeling that way. Yet in the midst of that, there are many stories of the good news of Jesus Christ that is passing around the world. And things are, are, um, seem to be moving in certain areas of positively toward the kingdom of God. And yet through it all, many of us feel like we are buried by not enoughness. That it could be all those, or we could maybe even look at ourselves and say, there's not, a, I'm not enough. I'm not enough. And I need more strength or something like that. It reminded me of a story of a time where there was a plane that unfortunately was having some issues and was going down over a desert. There were four people aboard and they looked and there was not enough parachutes. There was only three. The smartest, it was the people on board were the smartest man in the world, the best doctor in the world, an old pastor and a young boy. The doctor said, well, I'm sorry, but people need my medical skills And he grabbed the first parachute, put it on, and jumped out. To that, the smartest man in the world said, people need me for my intelligence. And we know with this world, I need to help people find cures and other kinds of things. So he grabbed one, jumped out. Well, the old pastor looked at the young boy and he said, well, son, I've lived a long and happy life. There's not enough, so you take that last chute. And the boy said, don't worry about that preacher. There are enough shoots for us. And the pastor said, no, son. You see, there's this one here. He said, well, you see, the smartest man in the world just took my backpack. (laughs) So there's enough. There is enough that's there. A lot of times, how many of you feel like that? How many feel like some of the smartest people in the world are just taking backpacks and we're along for the ride all the way down? Um, And we look around and don't see that there's enough because we saw what was there, but then we recognize, hey. Hey. There, maybe, maybe with God there is enough. If you think that way, that's what this service is for you. Because we have a culture, a culture of consumption and a belief that there is not enough. Some of you may say, well, I remember when we were first married. If we just had a little bit more of this then. You ever heard people say, I'm waiting to have children till I have enough money? How's, you ain't ever gonna do that, just to let you know. It doesn't happen that way, right? They, they, um, they're always, uh, sorry, I untied my shoe. Give me a second here. I don't have enough shoestring, I guess. So there we go. Um, but many of us have lived that life. And what is not enough? Not enoughness is a mindset. It is, when there's not enough, we believe in the scarcity mindset that things are scarce. Scarcity means. There is not enough. There's not enough for anything. We don't have enough time. We don't have enough money. We don't have enough love. We don't have enough focus. We don't have enough of anything. And that's where many of us exist at times. Um, uh, the, the prophet Haggai said this, okay, or Haggai, whatever you say. I like saying "Hey guy, what's up? All right. Um, he, can you relate to what he says here? He says you eat, but you don't have enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put into a bag with holes in it. Does that? Can you relate to that at all? I mean, how many of you ever sat down to eat like a smorgasbord or a Thanksgiving, and you eat and you eat, and you're like, oh, I'm full. And then what happens about an hour later, a little bit later, you're picking at something else. Like you ever eaten so much dinner, and then they bring up. Pecan pie or pumpkin pie out? And you're like, well, I got a little more room, right? It's never never enough for us. Um, or how many of you have way too many clothes? My wife yells at me all the time about my T-shirts. I'm a T-shirt person, and I have a billion T-shirts. And she's like, I have no dressers, and you have like a billion. I have four drawers, she says. And you've got dressers and drawers, and they're all T-shirts. I'm like, I like T-shirts right? I, I have a t-shirt that I used to love to wear. I, I wear if I wear it to the gym now, it's threadbare, but it also says West Virginia University undefeated season 1993. You realize I'm, it's older than most of the people in the gym, okay? But I'm not getting rid of it. It's my t-shirt. I, I, I love those things, but I don't have enough. And you know what I do when I go to Marshalls? I buy more. I would never have enough. I never have enough shoes. I never have enough this. I never have enough that. And many of us are like that. And we work and we work and we're just putting our wages in a bag with holes that goes ahead and has it. You know, scarcity is not only a mindset, but it's also a cycle. And you say, well, what do you mean here? I'm going sh- to show this to you. And So you have this in your bulletin. Um, so if you went ahead and got that from online, you can go ahead and fill those out. But you can look uh, right here. Here's the cycle. God supplies. Okay, that's the first part of the cycle. God supplies for us, and here's what we do. We consume it. God gives it, we consume it. And by consuming, we use it all up. Anybody ever bought something that you couldn't wait to eat? And you go to find it, and it's all gone? This happens all the time in my house. I hide food. Anybody with kids ever hidden food? Like you have this. Um, my dad used to say he used to buy these little candy bars. As long as they weren't anything with coconut, they wouldn't stay around long. But if he bought these little tiny ones, I couldn't I I can't stand coconut, but he had he'd buy these little ones and he'd say, All I do is buy stuff and you eat it up. Okay? Isn't that what we're supposed to do? But I know what he means now. Because you buy something and you go to get some like I think Lucky Charms is probably one of the best cereals ever, and I will have I, still at 49. I will have battles with my marshmallows and my other things. I will always do it, all right. And and some of you are smiling because you do the same thing. Just a minute. And and you know what drives me crazy? When I say, okay, it's cheat day, cheat meal. I'm gonna go ahead and have some Lucky Charms. And I go to pour it out, and there's either nothing in there, or it's everything but the marshmallows. There are never enough marshmallows in there, right? So um, we have this thing. So we consume it. The next thing is God supplies, we consume, and then we lack again. Why do we lack? Because we've consumed what God has supplied. And then guess what happens when we lack? Then we get afraid that we're not gonna have enough. And so then we have fear, and then what we need? We need God to supply so we can consume again. And this is a cycle of pattern. God consume God supplies, we consume, we lack, we get afraid, we need more, we cry out to God. This is the scripture right here. You notice this? This is the Israelites. Oh, God, we're so hungry. We're so hungry. He provides manna from heaven. What did they do? They consumed it. God provided every day. He told them one day to go ahead and save some extra. They said, every day I'm going to save extra. You know why? They wanted more for themselves, so they consumed. So guess what? It got maggot ridden and everything else. Then they said, well, you know what? We're getting tired of just this bread from heaven. How many of you would love for God to throw loaves of bread down on your lawn so you would never have to buy them again? That's what they did. And God says, okay, then I'm going to throw you in some quail. You don't have to hunt it. You don't have to do anything. They're just, boom, right there on the ground for you. And they say, eventually, they consume it. They lack. They say, man, I'd like something different than this. They get afraid. They get angry. And they say, gosh, we detest this miserable food. Sound like our lives. Because no matter what God provides, oftentimes we say there's not enough. There is not enough. And if you're unsure of this scarcity Cycle, 2020 gave us the best example of our scarcity mentality. I'm going to show you a picture first. You ready? (laughs) The great toilet paper conquest of 2020. This is actually someone trying to return to Costco the toilet paper and stuff that he bought before. Because they bought so much. Do, Do you how does a respiratory disease end up affecting toilet paper? Did you ever realize that? But for some reason, what ended up happening? The scarcity cycle went like this. God and people, suppliers supplied. People consumed and said, I'm going to consume more. They got with that. They went ahead and said, oh, my gosh, I'm lacking toilet paper. I only have 40 rolls for the next week. And they did what? They bought more. And they got afraid. So they held on and held on and held on. And then when they recognized that it wasn't going to be that bad, they tried to return it. How many of you remember looking like, my gosh, I bought a bidet because I thought that we were going to run out of toilet paper. All right? That was me. Okay, that's what I did. And so what I'm saying in this process is there is the scarcity cycle. So when historians, years from now, talk about 2020 and COVID-19, they're going to struggle to tell students that it did not cause great amounts of diarrhea because for people to buy all that toilet paper. But the scarcity cycle went ahead and did that. Remember when they were talking about, some, it was just mentioned, there may be a meat shortage? Could you find hot dogs anywhere for a while? Because of the scarcity cycle that people have. And this is how it happens. So we have a scarcity mindset. But what can we learn about this not enough scarcity mindset? We have to change our mindset to not the scarcity mindset, but a different mindset that there is more than enough. And more than enough is an abundance mindset. And this is God's mindset and promise for his children. According to God, no matter what you think you have, there's more than enough. No matter the old pastor thinks there's one parachute, God says, There's more than enough. And that's what we need to embrace and need to learn. In Ephesians, the Apostle Paul wrote this. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that is within us. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? Paul is saying to him, to God, who is able to do far more abundantly beyond. Let me ask you, in your life and in your mind, and in your job, and in your family, and in your finances, and in your talents, do you have a mindset that I'm just not enough, it's just not enough, or do you believe in the God who can do far more abundantly beyond all you think or feel? There's a huge difference when we look at this in everything. That's why Paul wrote this, because everything about God If you are a follower of Jesus, scarcity is fiction. And everything about God and the Holy Spirit that lives within the believers that follow him is exponentially, excessively, extravagantly more than enough. There's so many ways that God meets the needs of people in Jesus' name abundance has nothing to do with how much you have and everything to do with the God that we serve and how we think of him and what he can do in our lives. In John 10, uh, excuse me, before I get to John 10, it says, I want to tell you this. If you view your life in the lens of scarcity, you will always end up in the cycle of fear and anxiety. Fear and anxiety comes to the point, ultimately, That God is not enough. You say, wait a second, Jack. You don't know my situation. You're right. I don't. And you don't know mine. But God does. And he's more than enough. Because if I believe that God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Then I have to fear nothing. Right? Doesn't mean I'm a sloth that sits in the corner. But it means that I know that God will supply. Needs, miraculously, because that's what he does. That's what the good good God is. And so Jesus has a much different plan for us. And he said this in John 10.10. 10. He said, the thief, the devil, the Satan, Satan, anything you want to say, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You know what steal, kill, and destroy is? When something is stolen from you. When something is um, is killed or destroyed, you feel lacking, and you feel it's scarce. This week we had a, a, a thing um, from Pastor Oog that sadly in Haiti, he was robbed. He and his wife, okay, down there, because there is some loneliness there. So it broke our hearts because we're like, hey, we, we haven't been able to fully um, find out everything. He just put out a prayer request. Um, about that. And so we're, we're looking at that and making sure that it's not somebody with his phone and other kinds of things, but um, he, he contacted us from another way. So guess what? He was immediately lacking. Anybody ever had anything stolen from you? Anybody had anything destroyed from you? Broken? Were you lacking? But guess what? God says, Jesus said, I came that you may have life and have it, how? Not, not scarcity. Not scarcely. He said abundantly. That is, that is more than enough in your life and mindset and how you have. Jesus wanted to re- us to recognize that scarcity comes from Satan in the pit of hell. So how do we protect ourselves from this scarcity mindset? In order to do this, the rest of the time I'm going to go to the, New Te- the Old Testament for the most part. Okay, I'm going to go to the Old Testament. And I'll share with you a story um, which I which is really awesome. It's about a guy named Elisha, not Elijah. It's Elisha, not Elijah. And um, I want to give you some of the context behind this. We're in 2 Kings 4. If you have your Bibles or a Bible app, you can turn there. A sec, um, we'll also have it up here on the screen. But 2 Kings chapter 4 is where we're going to be. And um, the content of this, or the context of this, is that there is a Israel had several kings. Some were good, most of them were bad. Um, this is a case where there's a really bad one. The king of Israel had led God's people to turn down a complete other path to turn away from God and turn to idols and all kinds of other practices. And at this point we're going to Elisha is one of the godly prophets. There were others, but Elisha is like the big prophet. That means Elijah has said, "Hey, you're here. I'm going ch- a fiery uh, chariot. I'm out here." okay? And Elisha is here. He is the prophet now there is a widow and um, there were few people honoring God at the time but she was her husband was a prophet and part of the um, the guild of prophets as they call that we'll read this in a second and he had died and when he died he left her in with a lot of debt and she had two sons so what she has she has a situation where in this culture if you could not pay your debts they could actually take people and enslave them to pay your debt so right now, what's happening, she's lost her, lost her husband. Well, she's in a culture that is godless. Her husband stood up for God. He died. There is debt and need. Now she can't pay that. Her sons are there, and the local bank is planning on taking them to be their slaves. What would that do to you? She is in a desperate situation that we have here. And she's probably a little bit upset. God, I have served you, and I, you know, my husband, and then he's, he's gone for me, and I'm missing him. You see, kill, steal, destroy. I've lost him. Now, I have no money. I have no way of making money. Nobody's looking to me. Particularly, nobody wants to help me in this godless generation, and my sons are going to be taken into slavery. I got to do something. So here, let's pick it up. It says, a certain woman, a widow of one of the guild prophets, cried out to Elisha. So she goes to Elisha, the prophet. My husband, your servant is dead. You know that he revered the Lord, yet now his creditor has come to take my two children in servitude. And so you notice what she's saying. What what am I gonna do? And Elisha says, what am I to do for you? And before she gives that answer, he says, tell me what you have in your house. Two key things there. Elisha says, what do you want me to do for you? No. What do you have? I hear your problems. You notice he didn't say, oh my gosh, let's see if we can work on your problems. He goes, um, what do you want me to do? Wait, wait, what do you got? So he starts with what she has. When she sees what she has is lacking and there's not enough, Elijah says, let me see what you have first. And so she, he says this. She, she replied, this servant of yours has nothing. In the house, but a jug of oil. A servant of yours has nothing. Some people here may feel this way in, in maybe every ounce of your life. God, I love you and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to seek you. I'm trying to do good, but I need help. I need help. And you may hear, what do you got? And you say, I got Nothing. At this little. See, she she probably had like a like a little tiny salad dressing or of oil. That's what she had. Like a little tiny thing. Little, little doll there. And that wasn't going to do much, right? But God is about to do a, a miracle with her nothingness. And so in this, we learn three provisions, three principles, excuse me, of God's provision. The first thing that we're going to learn here is this. Don't belittle what you have. Don't dismiss and just be like, what she did, She said, I don't have anything but this little, t- it's not, nothing. I don't have that. Why? Because what you have, the little that you have is, is not a nothing in the hands of God. Little is something in the hands of God. There used to be an old uh, Southern gospel song called Little is much when God is in it. Labor not for wealth or fame. Right? Some of you shake your heads. You remember that song. And little is much. But many of us don't believe that. What about that little boy who was, Jesus is preaching to 5,000 men plus women or children. There could have been 15,000 here. And they say they're hungry. Let's give them something to eat, Jesus says. Say, we ain't got enough. We only got for." We got this. So what? said, what did Jesus say? What do you have? And they go, take this little boy and take his lunch. <laughs> did you realize that? They found this little boy, and he had two little fishes and five loaves of bread. Remember that song? Okay. So two fish and five loaves is what he had. Now, we're not talking about he was carrying five loaves like we think. Five little tiny, they were personal little loaves that he had. Little, basically, rolls. Two fish, five loaves. And when they brought him to Jesus, they said, here's this kid. He's got two fish, five loaves. But what is that among so many? You see, what their mindset was was scarcity. It was little. And Jesus said, I love when Jesus just ignores them. Don't you love that? He's talking. You can just see him go. And he just goes and says, Father, right here. He blessed it. And he began to break it. And they began to pass it around. It fed everybody. And there were 12 baskets left over. You know what that means? Disciples even got to eat. Because little is much. So when you're looking at your life and you say, but what is this? It's a ton in the hands of God. And so when we look at this even more so, scarcity is focused on what I lack in my life. Abundance asks what do I have? Look at this verse again from 2 Kings 4.2. She replied, this servant of yours has nothing in the house but a jug of oil. We need to reach a point where we're freed from what we are lacking and free to enjoy the blessings of what we have in the hands of God. Because that is more than you know in the hands of God. The second thing that happens that we need to recognize, principle, is this. God does extraordinary things through the things that we consider insignificant. God does extraordinary things. I love that term extraordinary because the two words combined is what it means. Extraordinary. God does the miracle, miraculous things, through what we call insignificant. Farmers. I was thinking about Farmers. You know, it's the time of year where you go by and you see, like, the corn and everything. And honestly, I've seen gardens. Gardens look great, right, this year. So I've seen, like, a lot of this stuff. Um, But guess what? There is never, ever of a harvest if the farmer just looked at the minutia and the potential of the seed. Look at it and go. Like, when you get watermelon seeds and you're eating watermelon, what do you do? Don't you? You ever... You ever carved pumpkins and just kind of threw the seeds out? What happens a little bit later, like right around this time, where you dump those seeds out? You got a pumpkin patch whether you want it or not. And sometimes you ever dump, had stuff go there, and you're like, I don't know whether it's a pumpkin or a squash, and then it comes up, and it's gorged, and you're like, what am I going to do with that? Right? But if you looked at the potential of those things, we throw them away. We just dismiss them. But if we see the potential, that little seed in God's hands, is much. You know, Jesus didn't say, if you have the faith of the universe, then you can do all things. You can say that mountain, if you have the faith of, you know, Samson's strength, then you can move a mountain. No, he said, if you have a faith of a mustard seed, then you can say, move this mountain and it will be done. This widow doesn't know what to do. But all she needs is a seed of faith in what she has. And so, Melinda, I'm going to ask you to go to uh, verse um, 3 through 5 in 2 Kings, and then we're going to come back to the picture in a bit. Look at what he says here. He said to her, she said, all I got is this little one. So she had like a little salad dressing bottle. And he says, I want you to go out... And borrow vessels from all your neighbors. As many empty vessels as you can. Then come back. Close the door on yourselves and your children. And pour the oil from that little salad dressing. Pour the oil into all the vessels. She starts with a little bit of oil. And then he says, And as is filled, set it aside. So she went out. She knocked on. Excuse me. Um. Could I borrow could, could I borrow your vessel? Could I borrow your your oil jar, could I borrow that? They say, sure. Um, I'm, uh, any empty one you have? Sure, here you go. She takes it, she brings it back in. She walks to the next, knock, 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 knock. Um, could I borrow? Sure, ma'am, there you go. She goes ahead and, and does it. And so so beginning, here's what, here's what her house started to look like, right, Melinda? Can you show this to us? Look, that's what her house started to look like. She has this little tiny vial. She's looking at all these empty things, and she's like, what is this with with that? And, and Elisha tells her something really important. He says, you go with your kids. Your sons, you go in that room. You're, you're standing here with all this. You got your little tiny tiny salad dressing. You got all these empty jars. And he said, you shut that door behind you. And then you start to pour. And when it's full, not if it's full, when it's full, set aside. See, so God does the extraordinary. And what, I, what really stood out to me, sometimes the reason why we are not Able to keep pouring and setting aside is because our door is open to everything else. When our door is open to everything else, we can't just let our, it be our problems and Jesus in the midst there. We need, God sometimes just needs us to shut the door to all this this negativity and all this scarcity mindset that you need this or you won't have that and you need more and you need more. If you get this, get this, get this, then you won't have it. No, no, we need sometimes to be with our little salad dressing and a bunch of empty jars and our problems and the people that we're afraid of what's going to happen to them. And we just need to say, okay, God, do your thing. And look what it says. She closed, the, um, as ease was filled, she set aside... And she went out, she closed the door on herself and her children, and as they handed her the vessels, she would pour in the oil. She would pour in the oil. What an amazing account of what God is doing in the midst of this. And I started to think, where are the areas in my life that I have seen God do amazing things? And I'm going to give you a precursor before I start this, because this has... It has it incorporated in it, but this isn't the biggest thing. One of the most dirty words in church life is the one I'm going to share with you in about two seconds, and it's called tithe, all right? Because everybody starts to sit up a little bit more, get a little bit tighter, like hold on to their wallets, right? That's where they get to. I'm not staying there. That's part of this process. But a tithe is of your life, your whole entire life, okay? Okay? And and when I I look at that, this was a, a concept 500 years before the Mosaic Law ever came about. And I want to share with you what Malachi the prophet shared. Because there's one thing in there that God never says, except for here. And he says, bring the whole tithe, tithe just means 10%, okay? Into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. So in this case, they ain't talking about money, they're talking about food. Right, And then he says something he never, ever says any other place. And he says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And here's the promise. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. What did the widow do? She took what she had. She went and got other things that were empty, She went into her house. Melinda, can you put that picture back up for me here? She went into her house that now looks like a storehouse for emptiness. She took what she had and she began to pour it in for God. She was... Testing God on the principle of taking what little she had and giving it to Him. And God took little what she had, filled them up, and she had a whole room in that whole deer. Her storeroom, there wasn't enough for the oil now. And so when we look at this, the promise of God is that if you do this, if you take 10% of your time, And began to pour it out for God. Just imagine, the empty vessels, we're told were treasures in jars of clay, right? What about the empty vessels that are walking through this world that have no hope? And if you took 10% of your time and helped just be there for them, or served them, or loved them, or talked with them. You are pouring out 10% of yourself and filling a life that God wants to do the miraculous in. And so the treasure, like one of the things I I think a great image of this is for years in in a cave, there were the Dead Sea Scrolls. For years, they were in a cave. The world considers it one of the greatest finds ever in the history of archaeology. There was a treasure, but it was off in a cave until a little boy was throwing a rock and hit it and heard something. Then he took it home to his, he was a Bedouin, took it home, and there happened to be an an archaeologist that went by. It sat out outside the tent. It was considered useless. But what that guy had useless outside of his tent became one of the greatest things in the world ever discovered. There are people that are sitting outside the tents of our world that need you to pour a little bit into them. And they could be the greatest treasure that the world has ever seen. But it comes from us giving of our time, our talent, our gifts, our service. Pull money out of this whole thing. Take your life. I can talk about uh, finances. I can talk about time. I can talk about all those kind of things if if you want me to. I can tell you about when Melissa and I were first married, how we did not have much at all. When we first started this church, it was even getting bleaker. But I can tell you, because of taking what we had and putting it into other vessels and other vessels pouring into us and people that I didn't even know pouring stuff into me, we have a ministry that we have here today. That is now pouring into other avenues. In, that's, that there's going to be four, at least 40 blankets for, for people who need them. That there are people who are, who are fed who are hungry. That there is addiction counseling that, and houses in here. Because of the ministries of this church. All because God called me to pour a little bit of myself out. And it didn't feel good in the early stages and called each of you to pour a little bit of your finances out and a little bit of your time and a little bit of your service. And I love hearing where people go and serve to places I've never been because that's your tithe to God. That's what you're giving to God. And some of you have talents that you haven't even begun to use for God. They're great when you're in the shower. Maybe not so, okay? But they're they're great that you're there. They're great when you're When you're riding down the road or you use them at work. But God didn't give you those talents and gifts for you to use them and keep them to yourself. He gave them for you to use for the world to fill a vessel. And that's the story of this. The third principle that we have here is God's abundance often follows faith. She took her oil and she begins to fill. Imagine that first moment. She's probably saying, I'm gonna pour it in here and, and I'm actually gonna lose more because it's gonna go in here and it's gonna, Is it a big vessel, it's gonna spread out. She starts to pour. She starts to pour. The next thing she knows is it's full. Imagine what they thought at that moment. She says, here. She grabs another one. Pour. Grabs another one and another one and another one and another one. And look at what it says here. In verses six and seven, when all the vessels, remember that picture? Can you pop that picture up there real quick again, Melinda? Look at that. From her little salad dressing. Now, go back to the verse, thank you. When all the vessels were filled, she said to her son, See, she's getting excited now. Before that first one, she's like, After that room, she's like, Give me another. Woohoo! Give me another. Give me another. Give me another. Oh, wait, can we go bar some more? Give me another. She was so excited. And she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said, there is none left. And then the oil stopped. She went and told the man of God. You know what I find also interesting here? Elisha wasn't hanging out in the house. You know why? Because he wanted to know it was God, not him. So Elisha was doing his thing. She had to go fight him again. She said, uh, Elisha, you told me to go ahead and do this? You know why? Because God had a personal miracle for her. And guess what? God does not change. So God has a personal miracle for you in abundance. If you take what you have. God sees you and is with you. The widow, let's take you back to before. She was distraught. She had no hope. She was probably angry. She was probably frustrated. She went at her last hope, and she said, do something. He said, what do you want me to do? Oh, wait a second. What you got? She probably felt dismissed, but she did what what happened. And when she did and went and barred those things, there was a miracle, personal miracle for her. And then what does the man of God say? What does Elisha say? All that oil, go sell the oil to pay off your creditor. And with what remains, you and your children can do what? Live. Remember what Jesus said? I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. She wasn't just going to make it by now. I'm sure she was like, "We got any more oil? Let's go. But see, when God met the need, he stopped. He met what she needed so that she would have life and live the way she said. But we have this backwards. We want to trust God, and we do want to give, and we do want to serve, and we do want to connect. But we say, God, you know, if I had more than I could, God, if I win the lottery, I will build a church. God, if I win the lottery, then I'm going to open up. Boom, boom, boom. Don't we do this? God, if what we're saying is God, if you give me what I think I need, then I'll pour. But then we're in that scarcity cycle because when God supplies, we consume. We think we lack. We fear. We continue in that cycle. But if we but God wants us to give and then he supplies more. So he does. The parable of the talents is one that I challenge you to read on your own. But it, it's all about that we are tr- when we are given more and faithful with a little, if we're faithful with a little, then God opens up more. She was faithful with that little salad dressing of oil. And God gave her so much more, so much more back. There is several times in my life where I've looked back at my own life and and felt that i didn't have enough i wasn't enough i needed more personally more talent more skills more finances more patience more everything and yet when i look at my life like i remember like some of you may may relate to this that there are times in your life where where you're, you're making a decision on whether to fill up the gas tank or make sure your kids have something, okay? Um, and, and so, um, and there's a couple seasons of life. Do I have enough to just fill up the tank? And there's the other part of the season that you just fill it up and don't think about it again. Those are different seasons in your life, and some of you understand what those are for those in that second season that just fill it up and don't think you're like me now and i'm gonna tell you it's often harder to take what you have to give to god when you're in that second season than you're in the first season because when you're that first season you ain't got nothing but faith you see, she wasn't going to argue, as stupid as it, so, it sounded, to borrow a whole bunch of empty jars and pour that, wine, that, that oil in. She didn't have any other options. But let me tell you, if she had a supply of oil in her, in her storeroom, you think she's starting to pour, borrow and pour? No. We need to be desperate for God in our lives more than ever before. most And I was looking, most of the time in my life when I'm spiritually stuck, it's because I've stopped pouring. And so what is the remedy for the scarcity mindset? Pour your life out. Pour your life out for the one who poured his life out for you. Because little is much when God is in it. I remember at one time in seminary, I'm going to say this and I got a, a scripture lesson and then we're going to uh, close out the series. Um, I was in seminary Um I was working, Melissa was some of the time, but we had kids that were young and um like real young, like newborns and, and things. So there wasn't a lot of plenty um in the house. Uh I think my first year at um in the United Methodist Church as a student pastor, I made fourteen thousand eight hundred dollars. Right? And I, I did it. And I remember they were afraid to give me I cost the living raise. <laughs> remember those days, okay? And I, it was like it was just trust God. And here we had kids um, and all that kind of stuff. And I remember it was coming up on. I had a couple semesters. I had one semester that um, it cost me at the time. We're talking um, ninety six, fall ninety six through nineteen ninety nine. I went to seminary, and the the three years there. This may not seem like a lot by today's standards, but do cost of living, it was a ton. When you're making fourteen eight, um, the, uh, the the cost of seminary um, was over thirty thousand dollars for those three years. Okay, um, now it's probably like thirty thousand dollars per year, but that's the shift in, in time. Now. And um, I reached a point like one semester. I had I had the first semester taken care of. Then came the second. Where was I going to get this? And I contacted a church that I was part of. Um, growing up, and a pa- talked to the pastor, and he pretty much said, well, if we do that for you, we're going to have to do it for everybody, so strike one, all right? Um, somebody told me about another organization, and I contacted them, and nothing, and um, there's a group called Soldier of the Cross. Some of you might remember them around here, young guys, and I was friends with um, John, who's also a pastor now, and we were talking, and he said, hey, contact this guy, I was like a week away from this. So I got on my phone. I still remember down in the office of the parsonage downstairs. I grabbed the phone and and I called and explained to him who I was and where I was going. Because I had a bill due. And he said, "Um, okay, can you send me your information? Very early days of of, um, email. I think I actually probably mailed it to him. (laughs) Okay. You know, mail is where you put a stamp on it. Everybody understand? Okay. All right. So I did that. And then I waited, and I got a call, and he said, he said, hey, how much did you say you needed? It was like a day or two later, and I told him. It was like $3,000, $4,000, he said, okay, we're going to take care of that in full. Right? Another semester, my grandmother took care of it. I said, can I pay you back? Nope, that's what you're doing. Order of Eastern Star. I went and sat next to the governor of Delaware at the Order of Eastern Star, Ruth A. Minner, and I did, they wanted me to lead them in a prayer that I had no clue what it was. They said, just start with this, and I just mouthed my mouth, and they gave me a check. It was awesome. God took what I had and filled vessels. When I left seminary, they said I needed to come down to the bursar's office or whatever they call it, the treasurer's office. I went there and they said, here you go. They gave me a check for $2,000. I made money going to seminary, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Only person I ever know. And you know what I did with that? Put it into God's kingdom. Take what you have. Pour it in. See what God can do. If it wasn't for that man, my grandmother, my grandmother, Order of he's concerned so other people. I would not be here today. But somebody took 10% of their life and poured into me. We are in a world where people want to take stuff out of people. Rather than pour their lives into people. And what has it got for us? Nothing good. Look at what it says as we wind down in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Paul says you will be enriched in every way. Why? So that you can be generous in every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. You think that widow wasn't happy in thanksgiving to God and told everybody? He is faithful. He is faithful. We live in a time that it's the positively new normal. And the positive ain't outside the door. We need to close the door. Get with Jesus. Take what we have. Pour our lives in some vessel and watch him do the miraculous. Because with God, he is always enough. Amen? Alright, let's stand and let's, uh, let's pray and let's do, uh, sing our last song of worship to the Lord. Lord God, as we come to you on this last week of our series, um, we want to give you praise and thank you, thanksgiving for um, just, just working on us. I'm sorry for the hoarding mentality of scarcity that I've had. I, I missed, I actually missed the days God of when I depended upon you for everything. I haven't forgotten them. But man, do I miss recognizing that you are the one who is miraculous. And God, I pray that when you're giving me those blessings now, that it's so that I can be generous to others in my time, my talent, my gifts, my finances, my service, my whatever you have given to me in my hands. God, you have given, you have supplied, and it's not for me to completely consume, but to share with the world. Help me be better at that. Help me be your child and, and to uh, to truly serve you. Help me to be like Elisha and to give what I have and to be like that woman and to take what I have so that you can fill for so many others. So God, during this time and this season and this year of just not enough, not enough love, not enough care, not enough focus, not enough contact. God, I just pray that we will look look to you as more than enough. So, during this time, I just want to lift up anybody in the sound of my voice. For those who right now feel or have felt for a time in their life or even their entire lives that they are not enough not good enough not smart enough not enough talent not enough direction not enough faith not enough hope whoever those are in the sound of my voice hear me in this Jesus wants to take you consider as insignificant and it may be your entire life and to let you know He loves you He has a plan and purpose for your life He just wants you to open your heart and to say I need a Savior Jesus you're it come into my life clean up the mess and let me take the oil that I have so that you can do the miraculous just do that and I'm going to tell you test Him on this and see if He doesn't open the floodgates of heaven in your life. So God, here we are. Wrapping up this service. Can you be for us right now and display for us your more than enoughness in abundance for us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
1: So I'll shout out your name from the rooftops I proclaim that I am Perfect grace has brought me to this world.
0: favorites, correct? Um, rooftops. Okay, so um, we're finishing this series. I'm going to do a special one week um, about being united. Okay, so we're going we're to talk about that um, and just um, how we can be more united and what God thinks about really what's going on in our world. And then we're going to um, kick into some other uh, summer series, um, and it'll, it'll be cool. And we'll, ha- we'll have some uh, really, really kind of cool things. So um, uh, trying to think if there's something else I was going to say. I don't know. No, no, that's on God. Um, but anyway, have a great week in the Lord, um, and we uh, be safe out there because, you know, we see things about numbers rising and other things. Be safe. Continue to keep the social distancing and all that kind of good stuff out there, and um, and love you all, okay? Out of here. Later. Oh, I know what I do want to say. The cross, thanks to Dave Hollis. Uh, he made that, and that's awesome. So. I did. I was like, oh, here it is.